out trick-or-treating, so trick-or-treating, so we're a little bit late, so, but, uh, you know, we're on, we're here, and uh, uh, I hope you are, are out there listening at the, at the uh, sound of my voice. It's, it's a beautiful Halloween night. It is great. It is wonderful. And, uh, yeah, we have some more uh, things going on in the news. We'll discuss that later, but until then, let's do this. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, this is Timona. Hi, Timona. Timona Ross on the George Wilder Jr. Show, ladies and gentlemen. I am so sorry. I, you know, I had uh, some errands to do, but we're here. Okay? Awesome. Awesome? Awesome, yep. So are you ready for me? I, I didn't know. I'm always ready for you. I'm always ready for you. Okay. Um, you've written a book. And 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 uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you about, the title. What do you mean by I don't boo? Moo. Sorry. Sure. No problem. I don't moo. And that's M-O-O. The yeah. lady on, the young lady on the cover has vitiligo. And it's a skin condition which causes patches. Yeah. And because of the patches, some people would say it resembles a cow, which is offensive, mm. of course, mind you. But that is where she is. She's walking through high school. Her peers are saying that she's a cow, and her response to that is, I don't move. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, you probably would have to explain that because, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a catchy title. It's one. It's the kind of title you don't see a lot when you're, uh, especially writing a book, and that's the title. And uh, what are some of the responses that you're getting from the book? How is the book doing? It's very early in its stages. However, okay. I'm receiving a lot of positive feedback. When people okay. are reading it and they get back to me, they're letting me know they really enjoyed the story. What okay. I try to Great. do is I try to make it more. Uh, than just a book about her, but it's more also about a family setting. So there's a okay. grandmother in the story that's in her 60s. She has two daughters. You can place them about 30, 40. Uh, she also has two sons. You can place the oldest one about in his 30s, as well as a younger son in his early 20s. So it's multi-generational, and I did that on purpose so that if you do read the book, you can enjoy it. You can see yourself somewhere in Beautiful. the story. It's not just for a younger crowd. Okay, okay, great. Uh, would you say the book is nonfiction? No, it is fiction. Okay, it's straight up fiction, but it's, 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 it's a true story, but it's fictionalized. It's true in the sense that mm-hmm. there are many young ladies who suffer bullying. Right, this, right. This is a, a bullying. complete fiction. Yes, this is a, this is a fiction piece. Okay. All right, uh, because I've got some stuff out there that's on um, bullying, and that's totally fiction. But bullying is not fiction. Bullying is very, very Correct. real, and it is a hot topic. I mean, because I had a young man on the show not too long ago. He, sound, he sounds as if he was 13 or 14 years old, and we were discussing bullying because he was being bullied. And I guess he wanted some advice on how to stop uh, the bullying. And mm-hmm. um and I told him that uh, the first thing you do, uh, a book, first thing, the, f- the first thing is that bullies are cowards. There's no doubt about that. They are cowards. Yeah. They're insecure. Uh, 
in, in that fashion. And I told him the, one of the greatest things he could do is to stand up to a bully. Because if you don't stand up to a bully, they're going to keep coming after you. No doubt about that. Correct. I mean, if you yeah. show them that you got some <laughs> you got some mojo about yourself, they may back off. Because I can talk about bullying. I was bu- bullied when I was in uh, grammar school and high school. I was bullied. And uh, one of the ways that I uh, remedied, remedied uh, bullying, stopped it, was I stood up to the guy. I stood right. up to him. I lost the fights, but I stood up to him. <laughs> but he know that I, I was... Uh, uh, you weren't just um, going to take it lying down. I'm not just going to take it down. Right, take yeah, it lying yeah. down. I, I really, uh, and I try to tell young people when they approach me and they ask me about it, stand up to a bully. Because the bully that I stood up to, after I stood up to him, I mean, he backed down and we became friends. We actually became friends, best buddies. So Great. I, I would say to anybody out there, if you're being bullied, stand up. Now, this is not going to happen in every case, Okay. Uh, that's right, not going to happen in every case. Um, but I would say to anybody out there, uh, if you're being bullied, if you, uh, uh, stand up to a bully. Because I told this young man that uh, kids his age are not the only ones being bullied. Adults bully also. So he wasn't right. alone. I was trying, <laughs> and I was trying to make him feel that uh, uh, he wasn't the only one being bullied. So that took a little bit off his shoulders. So this is what this book is about. Yes, it is. And with reading mm-hmm. the story, I hold it from Jessica's point of view so that people uh-huh. can realize your words do impact a person. You know, you can see her. We could walk through her life. You could see her going home and that she's depressed and the different things that she's thinking in her mind just because of how she's treated at school. She's dreading going and what have you. And so I'm, I'm hoping that people will think about the things that they say and do and how we treat one another. And also in the story it does, it, it speaks to what you were saying. It speaks to the, the importance of standing up for yourself and creating a support group, you know, just walk, listening to yeah. her story. You can tell that what she received and what she got as a support group, she did much better. Instead of constantly saying, oh, I'm fine, and not addressing the issue, uh, when she finally faced it and, and opened up to her family, like, I'm, I'm having a problem. I'm not fine. I'm not okay. I need help. You know, once you right. do that, then people can know that, okay, now I, now I know that you do need help, so now we can find you and get you help. But if you just ignore it or, or try to, um, out of embarrassment, try to hide it, then it makes it more difficult for you to receive the help that you need. I totally agree. I think if you're being bullied, tell somebody. Do not keep it a secret. Yes. Let people know because there's, like you say, there's all kinds of support groups out there. Uh, tell somebody. Let people know that what's going on in your life because because if you don't tell anybody, no one's gonna know and and nothing will right. be done. You have to open your mouth. And I tell my son this all the time. Your your um, voice is power. If you don't use it, yeah. that's your problem. You know, uh, so yeah, it's true. Yeah, you you have to tell people. You have to let people know what's going on. A lot of people keep it within them because they don't want other people know f- to know what's going on for 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 whatever reason they can think of. But 
I mean, just like just like uh, domestic violence. If you want to get out of the situation, you have to tell somebody, let people know yes. what's going on. Yeah. There are so many uh, support groups out here that's willing to come to your defense and your aid if you just open your mouth. Right. That is so true. But often, again, the case is the exact opposite. Out of shame yeah, or exactly. embarrassment or yeah. what have you, they try to convince everyone that, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm okay. And then how can you get help? How can you receive help if you don't put yourself yeah. out there, if you don't align yourself to receive the help? And then, you know, and then other people can probably say it's your fault because, you know, whatever's going on is probably your fault. And, you know, you become not the victim but the but the culprit. And, you know, that's not good. So, yeah, I, I applaud you writing this book. I think it's great. I, I know that people will get something out of it because bullying is going on in every single day. It's going on in just yeah. about every workplace, every classroom, everywhere where there's people, uh, summer school, summer camp, you name it. The workplace, as I mentioned, it's every all over and it's not going it to go anywhere. You're right. We have to learn the coping skills and how to deal with mm-hmm. it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an excerpt that you can read to us? I sure do. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. Let me get started. Jessica surveys the crowd, smiling at the students in their goofball moments. She switches classes quickly, looking around as if preparing to cross the busy highway. Then the inevitable comes. Xavier runs into her before P.E. Jessica's calm. She is walking with not one, but two classmates, Thomas and Latoya. Xavier flat foots before her. He is going for a new look, the strong and silent type. His chocolate skin and large head and malnourished lanky frame reminds her of a caricature from the Good Times television show. Jessica has no intention of giving him more of an opportunity to be in her space. As she passes him, she quickly unlatches her keys from her backpack and runs. Crap. She needs her keys. Had he taken anything else, she would have ignored him. Xavier bolts, zigzagging between students cluttering the hall. Fuming, Jessica follows in close proximity, finding it difficult due to the numerous teens in the way. He exits the bustling hallway and runs through the double swinging doors of the special ed hall. Ring! Some students use the special ed hall as a shortcut to get to the far side of the school. Rapidly heaving, Jessica enters the hall to find Xavier standing in front of a closed door, dangling her keys, grinning wickedly. Suddenly, fear overwhelms her. Looking at either side of the hall, she can see the classrooms are vacant. No one is around. No students, no teachers, and no teacher's aides. She is alone with Xavier. She starts to hyperventilate and thinks that she might pee her pants. The special ed hallway has become the second location. Her mind replays the advice of a talk show expert she had watched during the summer. Never let a perpetrator take you to the second location. Too late. Lord, help me, she pleads. It's time for you to give me some of that milk, cowgirl. Xavier taunts, lifting his ashy lips. Everything inside of Jessica screams for her to flee. She backs up, and Xavier moves forward. 
from behind just to hear someone pass through the swinging doors. In a panic, she turns to see Quincy, the coveted football jock. Quincy's cat eyes dart between the two, quickly surmising the situation. His usual chestnut face is turning scarlet. Taking full advantage of the diversion, Xavier snatches Jessica in a chokehold. Jessica's feet skim the floor, and her throat nestles in the palm of his larger-than-life hand. She cries between efforts to gasp for air. She wants to scream but can hardly breathe. Lord, please, please don't let this happen. She tries to fight and pays dearly for every motion as Xavier tightens his grip on her neck. He is enjoying making her squirm. The physical interaction stimulates him, causing him to sweat profusely. His musky perspiration stings her nose. Yo, Quincy, I'm getting ready to get some of this milk, Xavier says, sliding his tongue along Jessica's cheek. You can have some too, but I'm going first, he continues. Jessica wants to die. She obviously cannot fight for one of the boys. How will she defeat both? Worse yet, how did her life sink to this point? Wow, that's very, very... (laughs) <laughs> That's very dramatic. I'm 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 mesmerized. I'm sitting here listening, and I'm just you know mesmerizing at some of the things that you've said. Are you going to be doing another book on this same topic or something different? I'm working. I'm currently working on the second novel. The topic is different. Mm-hmm. However, I've chosen to stick with a younger crowd, uh, like I was yeah. telling um, some of my family and friends. I'm trying to uh, create and build. A following. So if people like okay. I don't move, that means they'll probably like a younger person as the main character. So I want to keep mm-hmm. that person or that type of audience interested. So I'm currently working on on a new book at the moment. I can tell you this: uh, I don't move. Uh, the just the title will make you want to read it. I don't move, and because a lot of people are going to say, "Hey, wow, I don't move." What does she mean by that? And, you know. Probably go buy the book just to find out what are you talking about, and basically is about bullying. And I want to go back to say what I've what I've said uh, a few minutes ago that uh, this person in your in your book in your book uh, I don't move. Does she ever ever uh, does her situation ever get better, or does it just get worse, or does she actually go out and reach out and try to find help? I mean, you don't have to give the book well, away, but right, I don't want to give the book away. But she goes back right. and forth. She has moments where things are are appearing to get a little better, then all of a sudden, maybe not so much. So she does. She goes back and forth. She's even uh, reached a point where she's fussing at God. You know, where at the beginning of the story, it's like, "Oh Lord, help me," and then through throughout the story, at certain points, like, "Well, why am I even talking to you? Because apparently, you're not listening to me." <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. You can have faith. And things yeah. can appear that they're not going um, your way, and then you can become angry at God. That's real. So like this, this book yeah. is fake. However, it is very real. But she goes back and forth, and eventually she gets relief. Eventually, um, without like, giving away too much of it, she, she's, she's smiling at the end of, of the story. That's great because, I mean, when you're being bullied and with a story like yours, you want it to be – the readers want it to be a happy ending. Right. It a story is. like exactly. this because because a lot of the readers themselves have been bullied, you know. Right. Uh, you can't hardly find too many people uh, 
that have that has not been bullied, you know, uh, or they know someone that has been bullied, or their child, or you know, or uh, their right. nieces or siblings have been bullied. Somebody has been bullied. So with a story like this, of course, if people who have been bullied and know people who have been bullied and they read the story, they want it to be a happy ending. And but you know, sometimes you know when you're in a situation like this, there is no happy ending. And um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but it's reality in some cases. Yeah. Mhm. All right, Tamona Ross on the George Wilder Jr. Show. When I when I saw your name, you know what I thought about. I you know What's you know that? who I thought about. I thought about Diana mm-hmm. Ross for some reason. Oh, did she? <laughs> <laughs> no, no relation. That's what I know. Of. I know, I know, no relation. I know that, but you know, I just, you know, I was such a fan of hers for such a long time, and you would see her name, Diana Ross. I said Timona Ross, and um, no relation, folks. If, if you're out there thinking that, no, this is not the sister of Diana Ross. Um, mm. I, 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 I thought this was a a good book, but it's ending up to be a great book because you're trying to do something for society. You're trying to get out there and say, Hey, wow, if this is happening, get some help. This is what this girl was going through. Maybe you going through something similar. Maybe I can help. Definitely. This this is a must read, especially a must read. (laughs) A must read. And uh, how many, uh, um, it has it been, uh, reviewed? It has not been reviewed. Okay. I'm, I'm okay, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to okay. do you a great big favor. I'm going to go review it for you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to review it for you, and I'm going to uh, – I'm going to. Uh, can we get it in Kindle? Can we download it? It is. It is available on Kindle. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go buy it. I'm going to buy it, and then I'm going to read it. I'm not going to have someone else read it until I'm going to do it myself. Usually I do it, do my own reading, and I, and I have interviewed uh, books before, so I'm going to review it. I'm going to buy it because I'm going to have my son read it. We're going to read it together, you know, because – and there are people that I know that have been bullied. Maybe they can learn something from it because, you know, when my son kids were in grammar school – I used to have to every day I would go up and pick up my son. I would have to pull somebody up off of him. And oh that gosh. was a shame. And yeah. believe this, the parents would sometimes stand around and watch their kids bully someone else. And some parents mm-hmm. would egg their child on to bully a person. I've seen this. I've witnessed uh, it. So I wouldn't say anything not true. You know. Right. But yeah, so you know, I think this is a very, very serious subject, and it is because uh, uh, while you were reading the essay, I heard something you said in your reading that she wanted to die. So this is real yeah. serious. It is. It is. And again, that's the reason why I try to write it from her point of view, so that yeah. people can just try to get a better idea, with, even if you're not touching a person. You know, just taunting them can be so traumatic when it's constant and relentless and then it doesn't let up. It does affect a person. You know, those same sticks and stones may break my bones, the words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words hurt. And they last. Words people matter. Remember. Yeah. Yes, and people can remember what was said to them years later. It does matter yeah. and it does hurt. Words does matter. It does matter. Any part of this book, I don't move it. 
is any part of the story of the content um, uh, goes back to some of your experiences? Well, yes and no. Growing up, I was a military brat, mm-hmm. and I moved yeah. to different schools constantly. So I was constantly being bullied. I was constantly the new girl in school, and it was it was rough. It was hard. Uh, I didn't have something that was very uh, an obvious difference. You know, with her, her she had splotches on her face, so it was very obvious. But still, just being the new person can be enough, you know, of a difference yeah. not feeling that like you belong with the rest of the children and constantly moving. Uh, you know, I remember one time um, I had begged and begged and begged my parents for these tennis shoes, and they finally bought me these expensive tennis shoes. We up and <laughs> moved to a new area, and I go into the school, you know, I'm strutting. I'm thinking that I am awesome with these new tennis shoes. And I get laughed at the point where I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, so I'm and just little things. You just never know. But, yes, I definitely experienced bullying with constantly moving from, you know, different schools. As a matter of fact, I was telling my children that between preschool and high school, I've attended at least nine different schools. You know, I'm not just saying I switched schools a little bit. No, I switched schools often and very often. And, again, it was starting all over, and I was telling them, you know, at least now there's Facebook. Back when I was growing up, when you moved, you moved. You didn't carry your friends with you, you know, unless you literally wrote them a letter and stuck it in the mail, you know, that kind of thing. So it was difficult. <laughs> it was <laughs> very difficult. Tomorrow, <laughs> one age. last question. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, I, I think you look great for your age. <laughs> Thank you. One last question. Why do you sure. think why do you think people and children bully each other? What makes a bully a bully in your own words? You know, I think they're looking for attention because they definitely receive it. The person that's yelling or pointing or laughing, they have all the attention. And it's unfortunate that you have the bystander that are like lost sheep. They will just go along with the flow oftentimes just so that they are not the one being bullied and pointed at yeah. and gawked at. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So they're kinda some some of them you can kinda sense they're just stuck. They don't know whether to stand up for the person that's being bullied, the victim, or just to just kinda go along with the flow. And so unfortunately most of them just go along with the flow. Yeah. So you have this person that's just showboating and just getting all this attention at the expense of someone else. Yeah, yeah. To Mona Ross on the George Wilder Jr. Show, like I said before, I'm going to go and download your book. I'm going to awesome. uh, review it, give you your first review. And Thank also, you. I also before... want to share... Pardon? I was going to say, I also want to share my website before you let me go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to say this, and then we'll get into all of that. Um, once this show is over, once this show is over, uh, it's going to be a link. So I'm going to send you the link to the show once it's over, okay. once it's over and podcast and uh, uh, that. So you have a link to the show, and you can put the link to this show that you're on uh, on your website. Okay? 
So okay. when people come by your right. website, they can click on the link, they can hear you on the show, and you're talking about the book and building. So we, yes. we're going to do that. So I should be able to send you that maybe in less than 24 hours. Okay. And Great. thank you. Okay. No problem. No problem. I mean, I think people should hear what you have to say about this book. And we're going to try to get as many reviews for your book as possible. Because uh, right now, I'm gonna, uh, once this show is on your website, there, the people who listen are going to be told to review your book. Okay? Because I think it's a very, very nice piece of uh, work. And Thank now you. you can now you can start giving people your your website and where we can find a book. Okay, great. So my website is www.simonaross and that's t i m o n a r o s dot com. On my website, you can purchase autographed copies of the book as well as sign wow, up for the great. newsletter. Yes, autographed copies okay. are only available on my website. And also you can sign up for the newsletter so that you can get more information about the future books that are coming. And yeah. We also, yeah, we also have books on Amazon, paperbacks. But again, those are not autographed, as well as your, the Kindle e-books, also built on Amazon. What do you love about writing? You know, I've always been a daydreamer. So I daydreamer. love creating these, yes, I've always loved creating these different worlds and these characters and just building them up and making them complex. And I guess, again, it came from me moving around. You know, I kind of felt alone. So I had these little characters. I would just sit and just write. I've always loved to write. So, yeah, that's what I I love to do. All right. Tamona Ross on the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I'm going to apologize again for being late. (laughs) No problem. All right, you take care. And I'm going to send this link. I'm going to send it to your Facebook page. I'm going to inbox it. Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. And thank you again for having me. All right, bye. No problem. Bye-bye. Tamona Ross on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen, our great guest.
Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Girls' and women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. I didn't. I forgot. I thought she was. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalize the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. 
On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob, this vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Teen. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. And I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women, and for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up, the limbic system gets fired, we lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people, girls, our girls, our boys, are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free Internet. We started something called the Speech Project, Curbing Abuse, Expanding Freedom. And that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is 
I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds, attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child and so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it and we code it and we give that data so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few. And of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy. And clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents, it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. EDGE, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, really? as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen that online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9-11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there, in 2015, 
72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter, but they couldn't really when they said, what's Twitter? Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous, they must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. <laughs> the language must be technologically neutral. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends, white men. You have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something or you can do nothing. We're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, oh my God, she's a reverse racist. That quote was said by a white man, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence. As it is happening, 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. And lastly, Believe her. Believe her. This is fundamentally a problem of human interaction. And thus, I believe that human interaction is at the core of our healing. Trauma not transformed will be trauma transferred. Edith Wharton said the end is latent in the beginning, so we are going to end this talk replacing hate speech with love speech. Because I get lonely in this, but I know that we are allies. I recently learned about how gratitude and affirmations offset negative interactions. It takes five of those to offset one negative interaction. And gratitude in particular, free, available globally, anytime, anywhere, to anyone in any dialect. It fires the pregenual anterior singlet, a right, watershed part of the much. brain that, that floods it.
right, Trump, Donald Trump went to visit uh, a city that didn't want him. Visit to catch to a city that did not want him, Pittsburgh. You know, all the carnage over there because of his hate and violence. They didn't want him. Why would you go someplace where you you clearly was not wanted? I, I mean, I was watching some video of this, and people were cursing him, yelling him, get out, move on. We don't want you. We, hate is not what we're about. He went anyway. Donald Trump, as I've said a thousand times before, this guy is drunk with power. He is drunk with power. I mean, he abuses, abuses it. Uh, at every turn, the guy is drunk in power. Uh, they don't want him. Why would you go somewhere where a, a city of maybe three million people say, "Don't come here," but you're going to come anyway? You know, so <laughs> Donald Trump has a lot to do when it comes of trying to get on the right sides of the people of this country, and he's not making any effort to in doing that. He's not making any effort into doing that. People are protesting him everywhere he goes. They don't want him. I mean, if he tries to leave the country and goes go to some um, place outside of, uh, of America, he's not wanted. He's not wanted anywhere. But but he still constantly uh, do and say things that make people hate him. Trump has been hated for... <laughs> Before he even became president, he was hated. The guy was, but we, we've we got more of him now. And you have to realize that Trump has destroyed everything he's touched. Six bankruptcies. He's meddled in to the 2016 election, according to his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, who is now a Democrat. Uh, he's just He's just awful. What can I say? He thinks he's king. He thinks everything he, that he says should be made law. Not he doesn't give a damn about the constitution, our laws. He thinks if he says it it should be law. Period. Like this birthright thing. He really wants this. He really wants this. He wants to up in every child or person who was born in the US from another country. Because the birthright law is the 14th Amendment. Trump wants to get rid of it. Even I don't too much care for never cared for Paul Ryan, but I agree with Paul Ryan. Trump cannot do anything. He cannot do it. And Trump is pissed off because at Paul Ryan for Ryan saying that he can't do that. He cannot end uh, birthrights of people born in other countries. I mean, people from other countries coming here to have babies. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, if he ends birthright, that means that everybody who came here from another country will have to leave, even if you're 45, 50 years old. Trump is just, the guy is just nuts. What can he say? What can we say? Okay, Trump visits Pittsburgh, a city that didn't want him. But I'm pretty sure his surrogates, they're going to lie and say, yes, they did. Pittsburgh wanted him. No, they did not. They did not want him. Thousands in Pittsburgh looked to the streets to mourn and to uh, protest a president they say is complicit in the massacre of 11 worshipers at 
the Tree of Life synagogue. Yeah, he's complicit. He's complicit in all the violence that take around, that that goes on around America because he sits there on at his rallies and sprouts hate, hate for everything, hate for everybody. That's all he does. He, he's a big buffoon and a big goof. And he declared himself as a white supremacist. He de- Trump declared himself. He said he was a white nationalist. To me, that's, you know, and a lot of us, it, it's, it's, it equals white supremacist. You know, racist, pig. You know, he is that. Sending troops to the border to stop these this caravan of people who are fleeing for their lives for better places and better jobs, he sent troops there. And so many Republicans are saying, shoot them, the babies, shoot them. If you know know about the caravan, it, it, it's just sickening. Yeah, we got to vote. But thing is, the thing is, is that even if we vote and the Democrats take Congress, whether they take Congress, the Senate, or both, Trump will still be president. He will still be in office. He will still be there. Lindsey Graham will have his dumb ass in office. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned Lindsey Graham because there was something uh, Lindsey Graham said that was not appropriate. He said that, I'm going to use his words, he says the radical left can kick can kiss my ass. In other words, Democrats can kick his kiss his ass. He's a stupid fuck. He's uh, I, I believe he's a senator of North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere, and he only has one vote. Now he is said he's gonna uh, uh, bring in legislation to uh, to vote on birthrights. He can't do it either. It's in the Constitution. But as I've said before, these people don't give two shits about the Constitution or the laws of the United States. They think what they say, what comes out of their mouth, that's law and that's what should be done. It ain't going to happen. Now, Trump is pissed off at the world because he wants to end birth rights. Trump said no other country uh, uh, does what we do. And that's a lie. 33 of them. Uh, either he didn't know or he's just blatant liar. 33 other countries uh, have birthright. That means if you come from another country and you get pregnant, uh, your your baby will be a citizen of that country, even though you're from uh, another foreign country somewhere over there. So it's it's just off awful. But we have the midterms, folks, and I keep saying. Vote, 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 vote. And I'm wondering how Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway is going to spin this one uh, 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 when Pittsburgh did not want him. It was clear that they didn't want him. But he said, and all he did by going when they didn't want him there, it just made things worse. And that's a, and that's Trump making things worse. <laughs> that is Donald Trump. And this is uh, I'm going to this clip here, and it's 
it's a very important clip, folks. So I, I hope you listen and pay attention because this is what's going on, what is now going on in America. And we have to br- vote blue to keep this from happening. Turning now to a special report on Donald Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, who is rolling back years of policy in ways that could affect millions of students, maybe students in your own household. In the past few months, she scuttled hundreds of civil rights probes that were underway from the Obama administration and cut off programs that were designed to enhance diversity across American schools. She also dismantled protections for students and for-profit schools. And DeVos came in as one of Trump's most controversial cabinet picks. The question that critics posed was whether she was more focused on business approaches than the public interest. What we're doing tonight is looking at how her record is bearing out. Consider three years ago she said this. We're the beneficiaries of startups, ventures, and innovation in every other area of life. But we don't have that in education because it's a closed system, a closed industry, a closed market. It's a monopoly, a dead end. So what is she doing about her so-called monopoly dead end? Well, we're seeing her tenure touch on virtually just about all the controversial big-ticket items in Donald Trump's presidency, from civil rights to guns to, of course, immigration. Consider that DeVos refuses to say whether migrant kids split from their own parents would get to go to school or not. And she stunned many educators by testifying that teachers could become part of immigration enforcement because they could then be able to call border agents to report on undocumented families. If a principal or a teacher uh, finds out that a a certain child is undocumented or his or her family's members are undocumented, do you feel that that principal or teacher is responsible to call ICE and to have that family reported? Uh, sir, I think that's that's a school decision. It's a local community decision. She also struck a very Trumpy tone on another fairly basic policy point, the issue over whether one admits that guns are dangerous inside school. You can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools? Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. Potential grizzlies. That was back in January, but it was more than a gaffe. We want to show you the facts in policy because she's now leading a commission on school safety, but says the entire effort will not even discuss gun violence. So you're studying gun violence, but not considering the role of guns. We're actually studying school safety and how we can ensure our students are safe at school. How can you ensure students are safe in school? Well, look at what endangers their safety. 59 school shootings, 59 deaths, 93 injured since DeVos was confirmed last year. Now, she also was part of funneling millions of dollars in donations to the Republican Party, which put her on the map for the Trump administration, but had zero prior experience in public education, something which critics say is part of the problem and has become very obvious in her public statements. So were you unaware when I just asked you about the IDEA that it was a federal law? I may have confused it. Have the public schools in Michigan gotten better? 
Uh, I don't know. Overall, I, I can't say overall that they have all gotten better. The whole state is not doing well. Well, there are certainly lots of pockets where the, 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 the students are doing well. And those kind of appearances did open her up to... I'm not
All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. This is a later edition of the George Wilder Jr. Show, as you may have heard me, to, as I apologize, to Timona Ross, which I think everybody should go out and get her book. It's called I Don't Moo. And if you don't know what that means, uh, check out the book. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's just samples all over the place so uh, on Amazon. So check it out, you know, just check it out. Okay, we you've been listening to the, to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. It is beautiful. It is great. Uh, what was that? I saw something zipped by my screen. Camp pulls out of debate to campaign with Trump. Wow. Why would anybody want to campaign with Donald Trump? He's not liked. He's hated. He instigates violence and hate at his rallies, and his supporters go out and do what their master tells them to do, killing people, uh, violence all over the place. Why would you want to – and his poll numbers are in the gutter. Why would you want to be seen with this guy? I'm not a politician, but I would not want want Donald Trump in my city. I would not want to be seen with Donald Trump. I don't even want Donald Trump on my radio show. Well, you need something on your show. Not him. I don't want to hear those lies. My show is not about lies and hate. I'm like those folks in Pittsburgh. No, I don't want you here. But you got some crazy Republicans. They want to campaign with Donald Trump. And that's going to be a campaign killer. They're going to lose. America and the world despises this man. Why would you want to go out there unless you know you're losing? So you want everybody to know that if Donald Trump is a nationalist, a white a white nationalist, as he's declared himself, then you support it. You support him being a white nationalist. Wow. That's something, folks. That is really something. And... I don't know. Uh, uh, there are other candidates too who are running for who are running for their lives in the midterms, and they decide that they want uh, Donald Trump support. Who's going to vote for Donald Trump? The idiots, the fools, the people who don't know no better—they're going to vote for him. But smart people, intelligent people, bright people are not going to vote for them for him. Okay, you think about this. You think about all the all the schools um, around America, public schools, colleges, where kids are turning 18. They're all going to vote against Donald Trump. Yes, indeed, we have to think of voter suppression. They know that it's going to be a tsunami, not just a blue wave, but it's going to be a tsunami of a blue wave. So even if. Even if these jackasses try to cheat, which they will, and they're doing it now, it may be such of a big tsunami or huge and massive blue wave that their cheating may not even matter. This is what I'm thinking. And voters who are going to the polls, who have been to the polls, we must have to – we must send a message, a clear message that we will not tolerate this bullshit from these Republicans. 
They're all about wanting to get elected so they can vote against you. They're all about getting elected so they can rip away your Social Security, your Medicaid, your Medicare. Why would anybody vote for that? But you know what? They are. People are voting against their own interests. They're voting against Republicans who are going to go there and kiss Donald Trump's ass for whatever he wants. You have to be lame, and they are. They are. People are voting for Republicans who are going to – who will not stand up to Donald Trump, who will bow down to Donald Trump, who will do anything he wants. Taking away your Social Security, Medicaid, health care, all of this stuff. And these whacked out people go out there and they pull the lever for Donald Trump or his uh, Republicans who will give him the right to strip away birthrights. Who will give him the right to lock more kids up in cages? Why would you... Vote for somebody like this. Why would you? It's crazy, but you've got crazy people out there that's going to do it. Because some of the in some of these polls, and I don't believe in polls because they're up and down all the time. But you have to really, really be uh, whacked out to vote against your own interest, vote against your own country to let these slime balls in. They're crooks. They're criminals. They're Nazis. You have to be crazy in your head. And and I can tell you this, Fox News is 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 a propaganda station and the majority of the Americans who watch Fox News from from what I've been hearing are the elderly people. And they are the ones that are putting Donald Trump uh up and his uh Nazi party over the top. They're elderly, and I've said this a thousand times. Folks, go get your go get your grandmama, go get your grandfather, talk to them, tell them not to vote Republican. The Republicans are going to take their Social Security check. Republicans are going to take away their health care. Republicans are going to get a, get rid of pre-existing conditions. They're lying if they say they're going to keep it. They're just lying to get your vote. Talk to your elders. I mean, when I say elders, I'm talking about people who are on Social Security, Medicare. Talk to them. Get them them away from Fox News. Call them. Call them and tell them, do not vote for Republicans. We should not vote for Republicans ever again. Get them all out of office, No no matter where they are in the United States or around America. No matter how small the office is, we don't want Republicans. We think they stink. We do not want them. Do not vote for them. It's going to take a while for all Republicans out of uh, Congress. It's going to take a while. As long as I'm here, I'm going to be pounding on this gravel saying get rid of all Republicans. Stop voting for Republicans. They're evil. They're cruel. They're nasty. And they're Donald Trump ass kissers. And you know that, you know it, and I know it, and we all know it. We have to do better, folks. And I want to say, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you join me tomorrow. We're going to be on time this time, folks. So <laughs> make sure you join me tomorrow. And um, 
make sure you uh, like this show and, and and follow this show. Uh, it's a great show. All right, folks. Uh, have a great evening. Have a great evening. Have a great morning. Have a great weekend. Uh, whichever you find yourself when you're listening to the show, whatever, in morning, noon, or night, whatever, have a great time. And we will be back tomorrow with some more Republican bashing and vote blue. All right, vote blue. I'm not